I have a disclaimer before you listen. Uh, we recorded our podcast with our main topic being Jonathan Quick returning. And as you all know, it was all good um, until the curse hit and six hours later, Ben Bishop gets traded to the Kings for Peter Budai, a prospect, and a pick. Um, we'll cover that trade next week with other things, but I figured I should get this disclaimer out in case you guys are all like, why are we talking about this trade? Um, it's because we didn't know about it. So, uh, on with the show. And welcome to episode 66 of the Lace em Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And the, and the Blackhawks and uh, the Wild have got some competition all of a sudden because uh, the face of the LA Kings is back. And um, they, they, they could be Stanley Cup contenders overnight. Um, we'll talk about whether or not they can make a playoff run and um, possibly win it all, maybe. Um, that will be uh, our main topic. Uh, in our poll of the week, we're going to be talking about two key players that you know, there's a lot of speculation that uh, one or both could be dealt by the deadline. Um, how likely is it and what would it take uh, to get either one of these two studs? We'll talk about those two studs and the asking price uh, in our poll of the week. In or out, Florida and Buffalo will be dissected this week. And uh, we've got some early trades to report in a rapid-fire topic. And before we go any further, please, NHL, please don't make any trades after we've done recording and save them until Wednesday, okay? That would just make Wednesday a lot more fun for us. Also, speaking of trades, what will the Bruins and Sens do? We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Shout-outs first off to all the players past and present who have worn number 66 in the NHL. This is probably the shortest list I've seen so far. Um, number 66, only five players wore number 66. Hmm. Uh, TJ Brody, 2011 with Calgary. Yannick Dupre, 92 with the Flyers. Milan Novi, Capitals in 1983. Gino Odic, Canucks, 1991. And, of course, the most famous of them all, Mario Lemieux, who plays entire career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. I was about to say, I, I knew that Mario Lemieux is yeah, the big one the there. One, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's get going. Uh, so, uh, Steve just let it off here with uh, Jonathan Quick uh, return last, yesterday uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. The Kings won 4 1. They are currently. So, this. Is, we talked about them last week in the in or out section. I remember I kept on saying how, well, they don't have Jonathan Quick back. Who knows when he'll return? And it just turns out that he came back this week. The uh, The Kings are three points out of the wild card and ten points behind Anaheim. Um, and that's the third place in the Pacific um, or Anaheim as the third place in the Pacific. So, uh, this instantly makes them a contender. Uh, and you never know with the Kings here. 
what does this do for the Western Conference playoff picture? Because you they are close for the wild card, but they are, uh, as I just mentioned, three points back from the wild card, which I guess is they do have, which is fine for ground to make and they can do that definitely mm-hmm. i just don't uh, it will be tough because let's see here calgary it's really if calgary and st louis or nashville can keep to that um can keep those spots so what is this uh to i assume you think this means that la is a stanley cup champion right Jonathan Quick gives this team a legitimate shot of winning the Stanley Cup when he's healthy. And he's healthy again. He stopped 32 of 33 shots in a 4-1 win over the Ducks. They were trailing one nothing, but he kept his team in the game for most of it until they were able to pull away in the third period. That's what this guy does best. And uh, I would argue does that better than any goalie in this league right now. Um, not named Brayton Holby or Carey Price. And with 20 games left in their schedule... Uh, their Kings are 10 points back, or at least 10 points back of the Sharks for first in the Pacific. So their chances of winning a division title are pretty much out the window at this point. So, uh, you know, maybe they can overtake Anaheim, but I think they're going to be a wild card team at best. Uh, if I'm Nashville, if I'm Calgary or St. Louis or anyone trying to chase down or lock down a wild card spot, I'm very, very worried about the LA Kings right now. Because with Jonathan Quick, I think they're primed to make a postseason run. And if they get in, Chicago and Minnesota better be worried because, in my opinion, it's been a two-horse race between both of those teams. And one of those two teams is going to reach the Western Conference Finals because the way that those two are playing, they're probably going to face off in the second round because I don't see either of them being a wild-card team. Um, In in which case, you know, you'd have to go through... uh, the divisional round and they probably score off in the second round they're too good not to face off in the first round as well so um if if i'm chicago and minnesota if la gets in i think they could be very very dangerous i'm hoping that they miss the playoffs because if, if they have a shot to get in i think they can do some serious damage and i think the kings they're gonna see if they can try to make a move or two at the deadline to kind of help uh, bolster their offense um, because they're they're extra motivated after their first-round exit last year. Now that they've got Jonathan Quick back, they have a pretty good defense already. Alec Martinez is having a big year. Um, Kopitar, as usual, is leading the charge offensively. If Tyler Toffoli can get his game going, if Jeff Carter can keep up the pace, I think this team has a very good chance of making a playoff run. And Jonathan Quick makes that all the more realistic now. Yeah, we just mentioned last week about how uh, that, you know, Jeff Carter has had a great year. Anze Kopitar is just picking up. Tanner Pearson, I don't know if we mentioned him last week, but he's also been pretty good for them too. Uh, And it's... Uh, and it's it's also uh, kudos to Peter Budai for it being the fifth, uh, for not being the fifth. They have, uh, I was just looking at their rankings here. They have uh, their fifth in the league in uh, goals against already. 
Um, and that was without Quick for primarily out the year. So, uh-huh. um, and now they're just about to get Quick, who's better than Peter Budai. Um, so kudos to Budai for uh, holding the fort uh, for them there. Um, if you want to go with the castle uh, ref, uh, metaphor here. But the, yeah, so that was my next question was, are the Kings buyers now that they have their number one goalie back? I think they are. Uh, It's just, we need to see, like, uh, it might be too late, but I assume they were already buyers before Quick returned because they were anticipating this. So we'll have to see what they get, um, uh, what kind of, players they get i would guess maybe like some depth forwards they're 24th in the league in goals per game uh, per game so there's a chance they can try to improve that statistic if they get like a winger or a center there uh the uh and you also mentioned how they they they're deep like they're a dark horse candidate now uh, whenever they make the playoffs, they're always like, you know, they're always Stanley Cup champions. That's what they did the last time they were in. But I feel like, I don't know if their magic has, I feel like their magic will run out. It's it's hard to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you have, now the Sharks are better. You have the, like, uh, the you know, they're confident they're not gonna slip up like they did the last uh the second to last time LA beat them but um the you know with that reverse sweep thing so and you know Anaheim's doing good Edmonton's better uh Chicago and Minnesota are also good so it's gonna be tough for them to go out of the in the Western Conference but I'm not saying it's not possible because I have seen it before with this mm-hmm. LA Kings team, and they're mostly the same guys too. So, yeah. uh, with Kopitar, Jeff Carter, yeah. uh, Quick, Dowdy, all those guys. So it's I'm not saying it's impossible. I just don't know if it's going to happen again, just because it's tough to win a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. uh, more than once. Although they've already done it twice, so uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. What's also interesting is is the the amount of free uh, pending free agents that they might want to take a chance on and it, it's not really a short it's not really a big list and it's not all that appealing you know besides Shattenkirk and I doubt they're going to get a defense and they don't need a defense right. and they're fine on defense um, I can see them maybe getting a Martin Hansel he's got 26 points in 51 games uh, Radham Verbata believe it or not he's got 44 points in 60 games but his last year with Vancouver was terrible so um, I don't think uh, the asking price would be too high for him. Um, although they have a lot of centers and right wingers, so maybe they shop a current player in a pick um, in exchange for one of those two guys. Uh, another guy that's interesting is Jerome McGinley. He's got 18 points in 59 games, and that doesn't sound appealing. But don't forget, they got Le Cavalier when he was on the decline a year ago, so I can see him making a pitch for Jerome. But if the asking price is too high, it's not going to happen. Because he's a pending UFA, he's going to be 40 on July 1st, fittingly enough. And beyond this year, as far as good is concerned, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. And he said before, yeah. he's open to a trade if it means he's 
going to a cup contender. And like I said before, the Kings are that with Jonathan Quick in the crease. Yeah, the thing with Aginla is that you know you're not getting the Calgary Flames Aginla. You're getting this yeah, guy. Exactly. You know, you're going to have to, which is fine. Uh, he's still he's still somewhat good, I would imagine. Um, I haven't watched too many Colorado games, I'll be honest. But uh, I would imagine he'd be a good depth guy. But I don't think you're getting like a um, yeah, Calgary Flames guy. Um, so going to land a big-name player. And right. I don't think they need a big-name player. If, if they can just get a little bit of scoring depth. And, and again, Jerome McGinley, I don't know how much of those 18 points is the fact that his career is on the decline or the fact that he's playing on Colorado that can't score. That's true, too, yeah. I mean, there is a possibility of that. But I have a feeling it's more just that he's old and he's yeah. not, he's not yeah, as good as he used to be. Back. Uh, what's also interesting is uh, the the move that started this thought of you know how close is Jonathan Quick to returning? A few days before his return, Sadkoff was placed on waivers by the Kings. He's right. since cleared. He's still on the Kings roster for now. Um, and 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 I've heard there might be a possibility that they trade him. I'd hang on to this guy. Because what happens if Quick gets hurt again and all of a sudden Boo dies the number one guy? You need a guy like Zakoff. You need a plan C uh, that's ready to come up at a moment's notice. So I think Jeff Zakoff, although he might not be a good backup option to Peter Budai, unless they go out and get someone like Ben Bishop or Ryan Miller, which mm-hmm. I highly doubt is going to happen, nor would it make sense, even though they're both pending UFAs. Yeah. Um, I, I think Jeff Zakoff is a solid... Uh, third string goalie that they can keep around in case something bad happens. Yeah, the thing with that is that now with Quick being healthy, uh, Zadkoff is now expendable. So they could trade him or be a trade piece for him. Because you also, I mean, the good thing about Quick being out is you found out what Budai is capable of. So yeah. he's he's a good he's going to be a good reliable backup, which is what you need in these days. So uh, Zatkoff is a is a uh, is now expendable because he's not as valuable as Budai is, and certainly not as valuable as Quick is. So I would. But well, what would you I'm, get for Zatkoff, though? Really, like what's true, true. I, I I didn't say like you would get a ton for him, but he is. Uh, trade piece that you could get somebody for him. Like, I'm just saying, if, if Quick gets hurt again, if and Zakhoff's not there, your, your third string goalie is Jack Campbell. Yeah, but do you I like? Him, I, tr- I, tr- I trust Zakhoff better than Jack Campbell. Right, but do you do you spend your whole career just wondering when Quick is going to get injured again? Like you, you can't live that way. Well, that's that that that's true, but uh, again, uh, I, I guess I, it's it's such a new process because you you've never had to deal with this before, and, and now all of a sudden you're paranoid. You know, what what if he suffers a relapse? You know, like I gotta have. Um, I a guess there's that uh, third string, but I, I'm just I'm just thinking what happens in the worst case scenario because they've had to deal with that again, but. Um, I, I guess losing Zakov again probably wouldn't be the worst thing because, you know, if, if Quinn yeah. gets hurt, then he's probably ready to go for next season, and this season's almost over anyways. Right. So. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's I, – I know what you mean. It, it's tough because you don't, you never know with Quick and 
injuries and if he is going to get injured again. But I feel like you can't live your life unless you're like, I don't know, uh, if you're worried about Chris Letang, who always gets injured, (laughs) then you're going to, I mean, then you should worry. But this is, isn't this like Quick's first big injury, right? Yeah. At least in my memory. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but he, so I don't know if you have too much to worry about in that sense. All right, let's get going to the poll of the week. This was uh, a great time. Uh, this is by far the most people we've gotten. I'm not really sure why. I guess people are, my guess is that people are uh, very into trade deadline this year. Uh, my question was, will Matt Duchesne or Kevin Shattenkirk be treated? We got 108 votes, which is by far the most votes we got. Uh, there's another guess would be that I did this on Saturday. It was kind of, it was kind of funny because I, I posted this on Saturday. I didn't even expect people to vote because I was just like, uh, I don't know if people will see it. I know there's a lot of tweets at this time, but I don't know if people will see it. I'll be lucky if we only get like five votes. And uh, we got 108 votes. So the results are in 41% said that Josh Shattenkirk was going to be traded. 31% think both are going to be traded. They're very optimistic about that. 17% say neither. And 11% say just Duchesne. So... uh, I, we do have, I do have some news on Shattenkirk and Duchesne, but I'm going to toss it up to you in terms of what do you think uh, about this poll? Will Shattenkirk or Duchesne be traded? Well, uh, I think the, there's more urgency with Kevin Shattenkirk, and, and yep. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead. Like, Yeah, you can, you, I mean, I guess you, you can mention you, it. You look, you look at all of the players that have gotten contract extensions with the St. Louis Blues. Yep. And then Patrick Berglund is getting now paid over the next five years. He got a new deal, $3.85 million over the next five years. He's second on the team in goals with 17. And while he's been a double-digit goal scorer in every NHL season he's played in, he's only surpassed the 40-point plateau twice in his NHL career. He's only 28, but he's only surpassed the 40-point plateau twice. And, Chat- and Kevin Shattenkirk still doesn't have a new deal, and he's a pending UFA. It's obvious that there's more urgency to ship Kevin Shattenkirk, and I think he's the most likely to get dealt. Because if you look at a guy like Matt Duchesne, he's making an average of $6 million a year. He's got two years remaining on his contract after the season is up. Honestly, what's the rush to make a trade for Matt Duchesne? The Avs want full value. They're not going to budge a, a, a smidge. They, 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 they've uh, made it perfectly clear that what uh, they've asked for in return for Duchesne, that offer still stands. I think they get a significant return. Um, even if they trade Landis Cog, they're going to get full value for Landis Cog too. Right. They're not in any hurry to make this trade. I don't think any GMs, given the asking price, uh, are willing to make this trade for a guy like Matt Duchesne, uh, especially if it's midseason. Um, and on- honestly, his numbers this year aren't enough to make a team want to trade for him right now. 
Um, I think it'd be wise for everyone to push the pause button on this, and I, I would frankly be floored if this deal happens before Wednesday's deadline. Um, and if it does happen, Colorado better be getting a defenseman, a good defenseman, yep. and they better be getting a prospect and a high draft pick and not a cheap Taylor Hall for Adam Larson kind of deal. Yep. The worst thing they can do is just settle for something. And I don't think they're going to do that with Matt Duchesne. So I think this waits until the offseason closer to uh, draft day. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk, it seems that he's kind of picky about where he winds up. Because um, according to sportsnet.ca, the Blues... Oh, yeah, I was about to get to that, but... Okay, so I'll let you get to that. Yeah. yeah so, he, he, uh, long story short, it seems that he has a preference as to where he goes outside of St. Louis. Yeah, the, well, right. So what happened was Shattenkirk, it was believed this was uh, six weeks ago, the Blues had a deal in place to trade Shattenkirk. This is according to Sportsnet, as Steve just mentioned. I'll, I'll mention this news here. Shatten, uh, they had a deal in place to trade Shattenkirk to a team that was offering a long-term contract. It was believed to be seven years and $42 millions. Uh it was reportedly that this team was the Lightning, but now more stuff came out that it might not be the Lightning, but the offer, that offer was still there, so it's like a mystery team here. Anyways, regardless... But Tampa, Tampa did give him an offer. Yeah, Tampa did give them an offer. We don't know if it's that seven years, $42 million. Either way... They did offer him a multi-year deal. Right. Either way, Shannon Kirk turned it down... Uh, Elliot Friedman has mentioned that Shannon Kirk has the Rangers as his number one team. He's from New York, I, th- I believe. So I get, and I think he was mentioning that Shannon, that was his childhood team when growing up was he was a Rangers fan, and the Bruins are number two. The this thing with this though, and really great for your Bruins, or you're yeah. going to have your heart broken. The thing with this, though, is... Well, first off, I don't think he's going to the Bruins. Uh, yeah. If if they want Carlo or McAvoy, that's not going to happen. Forget it. Forget right, it. exactly. But, well, I guess I, I'm thinking of the Colorado Avalanche for that. But I don't know why the Blues would want Carlo. I guess uh, every team would want Carlo and McAvoy. But, I mean, they probably would get, like, Spooner, maybe. Uh, which I I would do, um, if we got Shannon Kirk. Uh, hold on, I just had the Rangers cap. For, oh, here they are. The thing with the Rangers though is they don't have a ton of cap space, so they do have the forwards to trade him, but it's gonna be like guys like Chris Kreider and Derek Stepan, uh, or even J T Miller. And I don't know if they they necessarily want to trade those guys. I don't know if I do that. Yeah, exactly. They're in the playoff hunt. I don't know if they necessarily want to do that. The other thing about, um, so like it's great that I guess because Shattenkirk has a no trade clause, and this would be the only team that Shattenkirk would want to go to, which is good. But it's gonna be like maybe the Rangers would, the Rangers just have to load off some pieces in order to fit him under the cap. Um, and I'm not sure if they if they want to do that per se, uh, especially if they're in the playoff hunt right now. Um, I mean, they could do it, 
it's just, uh, you know, like, who who doesn't want a top-end defenseman, especially when all the rumors is, is that this is the only team that he wants to go to. So, and he's a free agent, and he controls his own destiny. And exactly. Him as a free agent. You don't right. have to trade anybody. Yeah, that's true. He is a free agent next season. But... The Blues might want. The Blues might be desperate to get rid of him. Again, the Blues are also in playoff contention too. So I don't know why the Blues would do this either, because of that. They they probably don't want to risk losing him for nothing, and the danger True. is that's what it looks like is going to happen. Right, but they're also in the playoffs. And, and, and the fact and the fact is, they want full value for Kevin yeah. Shattenkirk. Apparently, according to Bob McKenzie, Doug, Doug Armstrong is still hoping somehow to get a first-round pick, a prospect, and something else for Kevin Shattenkirk. That's not going to happen for a rental. If he gets traded, it's going to be for a rental, especially if or this news that's gone now is true. And they're not going to get full value for a rental. They're gonna. This deal is going to happen, and Doug Armstrong is going to get what he wants if the team in question is willing to sign a long-term contract extension with Kevin Shattenkirk and Kevin Shattenkirk agrees to do so. Yeah. The Rangers are their only option if that's the case. Yeah. And if the Bruins end up getting him and they end up giving up a significant return, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I don't think I don't think the Bruins are going to get Shattenkirk because now that they have McAvoy, Carlo, and Lazan, and Zaboral in their system, it looks like they're going more for the farm team building on that instead of trading for guys and I think they like the progression of that so I don't know if they're necessarily going to trade to get an outside guy like Shannon Kirk I know Chara it should also be noted, it also be noted he nixed a prior uh, a previous deal or um, I think uh, last year during the offseason to Edmonton oh yeah that's right he turned down the possibility of pairing up with Victor Hedman He's turned down the possibility of being Connor McDavid's teammate. He's obviously got something in mind. Yeah, I I think he's just picky here. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily. Um, yeah, good thing. But to be fair to that Edmonton deal is, he, you know, it was Edmonton at the time. No one knew. No one knew how good or bad they good they were going to be this year. So. Uh, there's something to be said about that. But yeah, I mean, the more the, the Tampa Bay, although at the same time, Tampa Bay isn't necessarily doing great this year. So why would he go to Tampa Bay when they're out of the playoffs um, instead of staying on St. Louis this year when they're in the playoffs? So I would imagine he just... From Tampa, they got some good prospects in their system that probably wasn't anything to sneeze at like no i agree but but i'm saying i'm saying from shannon kirk's perspective i don't know why he would do why he would do that why would he go to tampa bay when they're not in the playoffs and likely not to make the playoffs yeah um as for duchene um well first off i think it's I think every team should try and get these two guys. I know it's going to be expensive. I know it's going to be tough. But it's not every day where a top-end defenseman like Shattenkirk and a top-line center like Duchesne are on the market. I I know you just talked about how Duchesne isn't having a great year this year. But again, this is... He hasn't is, blown me away. He hasn't done terrible, but he hasn't blown me away. 
Right, but you could say that about every Colorado Avalanche player. Yeah, I could. You're right. And that's what you said about Aginla. Yeah, that's what you said about it. We just talked about Aginla for that. And I think that I know that there was rumors that the uh, senator or that Colorado has offered Duchesne in response to uh, t- but the to the Sens in re- and then the Sens would have to give up Thomas Shabbat. No way. Right. You you don't no want to do this, no but. Way. And they're not going to mortgage their future. Dorian's made that perfectly clear. It would be stupid for them to do that. Yeah, I, I am more. See, this is where I'm in a different mindset here. I think you actually might do that, uh, just because I feel like the Senators' defensive position isn't terrible. I mean, and I don't know. I think you do like. Uh, so many teams are so. Af- I mean, I guess the Bruins are in this place too. So many teams are afraid of giving up their future. You don't know what these players are going to become at the end of the day. Uh, you know, like what if Thomas Shabbat doesn't pan out? There, I don't think it's like one of those things where you just say no way right at the thought of Thomas Shabbat. But I think it's something that you have to consider per se. I know it would be tough. But I it's think it's not just Thomas Shabbat. If it's not Thomas Shabbat, it's Colin White. I've also heard reports that maybe Cody yep. CC, one of their other young defensemen, would be thrown in the mix too, and oh. maybe a first round pick. Oh, okay, so I thought it, I thought it was like Thomas Shabbat was the main guy, but no. If it's one for one, Thomas okay. Shabbat for Matt Duchesne, then maybe I do that deal. <laughs> Even if Shabbat turns uh, turns out to be a gem, but right, it's more. It's a lot more than just Thomas Shabbat that they may ask for. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the thing you were asking about for, like, the other thing you were referencing about how Colorado, why would Colorado do this? Because he has two more years left on the contract. But if you look at teams like Edmonton, or I think Edmonton's actually the only example now that I think about it, Colorado is in the kind of the same position as Edmonton was. Before they got Taylor Hall, before they traded Taylor Hall, you know, they didn't have a lot of, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of good defense. That's their biggest need right now. And goaltenders, I guess, too. Um, And they have all these forwards that are going to be interesting. And that's why the only thing with that is that, and that's why Joe Sackick's going to the Bruins, going to the Senators, going to different teams. Um, I think Montreal is another team that uh, has asked about Duchesne as well. And it's all those teams are, you know, that's why he wants a big market for guys like Landeskog and guys like Duchesne because he he doesn't want to become Edmonton again. Uh, yeah, for another year. Interest. I, I don't yeah. mind Sackick doing that at all. He wants to see where teams are at and yeah. they're willing to give up. And, and I, I think, and I think like that it is the a, a least reasonable for the Senators, like in terms of the price for what he wants from the Senators and what he wants from the Bruins. But there's it's it's gonna be tough to uh, for both organizations to part with, you know, those high-end prospects like McAvoy or Thomas Shabbat yeah. that we're talking about. So, um, I don't know. I, I feel one, like... I think one team's going to make this deal. I'm just saying, before I we don't, went, yeah. say no. 
Before Wednesday, no. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if it's net. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's. I think a team will deal for Landeskog and Duchesne, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to be before Wednesday or if it's going to be the Senators or the Bruins, um, who who we've been talking about. Um, was that it? Also, speaking of which, I kinda, I hate that there aren't as many big trades as there used to be. I feel like there yeah. used to be so many big trades, and now it just feels like teams are scared to make any, any change, um, which I kind of don't like, but... Whatever. It happens. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you expect to be a lot of trades before Wednesday? Well, any significant trades? I, yeah. I don't expect there to be too much. Because, like, like, there, have been, right. a lot of, Las Vegas there have been a couple of significant trades every year. How many of them have really, in the last couple of years, happened on deadline day? They usually happen a day or two before. Right. And well, there was the Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones. Being an absolute yawner, so. Right. There was the Ryan... No, that didn't happen on deadline day. I was going to say the Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones. Yeah, that happened a couple of days before, right? Um, yeah. And then the FNUF trade last year, that was like a couple of weeks before was, the deadline. Yeah, that was February. So, yeah, it was about close to a month before the deadline. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you're right. There aren't too many trades that happen on the day of deadline day. But uh, we'll be tweeting when they uh, w- w- during that day. So uh, let's hope. I also heard that, that Sportsnet is recruiting Ilya Brizgalov for yeah. some expert analysis. That's going to be fun to watch. That will be fun to watch. I'm going to enjoy it. Except uh, as an American, I can't watch. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be fun to watch. I'll have to find a way to... To watch it somehow. Um, Canadians have been good, man. <laughs> yeah, you do too. You also got uh, Jay and Dan back. Uh, well, and nothing's been made official, but uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to lie. While it's disappointing to hear that their Fox Sports yeah. One contracts won't be renewed, everyone's first thought was Does they're this going mean back. They're coming back to Canada. Yeah. And well, we definitely welcome them back if they did. I think Jay has said that. Jay has already signed up for Sportsnet or something like that. It might um, be TSN. TSN might be getting Jay on right now. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, not, not set in stone, but I'd be shocked if if, if uh, both of them uh, uh, don't don't come back to Canada. I, I, I think, I, like, they, they know the Canadian market. The Canadian right. market knows them. It, it'd just be a match made in heaven. Yeah. Uh, speaking, all right, let's, we're getting a little sidetracked here. Uh, let's go to the in or out section. So on Monday, I was looking at the standings at the Atlantic division and I noticed that there was a 12 point difference between Montreal, the first place Montreal in the Atlantic and the last place team Detroit. Uh, they had a 12 point difference on Monday. Now, it's uh, Sunday, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, it's a 16-point difference, so it is quite a bit more to pick up with, but um, it's still like a very close race here, because you have teams, like, well, you have Toronto, Ottawa, and Boston fighting for that second spot in the Atlantic. Yeah, only two points separate those. Yeah, only two points separate them. 
I think uh, I know that both our teams play today. I don't know if Toronto plays today, but uh, that could change when you listen to it. Yeah, Toronto doesn't play today. But they are... Separate first from fifth as well. Eight points yeah. separate first from fifth. But then Florida has started to heat up. They have uh, Bark because of Barkoff and Huberdeau, who we just talked about. You have Tampa Bay that's also starting to heat up, even though they don't have Stamkos. But uh, please return soon. My fantasy team needs you, Stamkos. Um, and you have Tampa Bay. Then they're they're uh, Tampa Bay is sort of doing a thing, and they could come back. You never know with Tampa Bay. And you also have Buffalo. Um, which uh, which is kind of surprising for Steve, but I had them as third place in the uh, in the Atlantic Division. So they're finally proving now that they have everyone healthy, just like Tampa Bay, they're finally back. So we we decided that we're going to talk about the fifth and sixth team here, or at least two of those teams. Um, Beside, because we talk, I think every episode we talked about the, the four in the Atlantic, either Montreal, Toronto, Boston, or Ottawa. So we're going to talk about the other teams in our division, mainly Florida and Buffalo. Uh, Florida, let's start with Florida. They have 66 points. Uh, that's they're trailing Boston for the wild card spot by two points. Um, but they have one game in hand. Uh, their goal differential is uh, minus 16, which is okay. Uh, Barkov has, as I just mentioned before, Barkov has 10 points in nine games since he has returned. And Huberto has nine points in nine games since he's returned. And also another interesting factor into the Florida Panthers uh, James Reimer has been out playing Luongo. Reimer has a 9.18 save percentage and a 2.48 uh, goals against average. Luongo has a 9.13 save percentage and a 2.73 goal against average. Uh, it's very close to each other, but uh, it looks like Reimer... Um, I'm not sure if Reimer... Maybe Reimer actually has the starting position now. Um, if he plays like this now, I know it's like he's slightly better than Luongo at the moment, but um, it's possible that he could be the guy for for the future. It's not like uh, Luongo's ever getting younger. So, uh, what do you think, Steve? Are the Florida Panthers in or out? Well, you're right. The, the, the man they call Optimus Rhyme has been the big story. I haven't yeah. seen him since good since the Leafs made the playoffs in 2013. Right. The big reason why they did was because of James Reimer. And since they almost beat the Barkov, Bruins, too. Yeah. And since uh, Barkov and Huberto returned, he's gone 4-1-0, and he's given up just 10 goals in six appearances. Uh, and a big reason why Florida went 5-0 and on uh, their previous road trip was because of his solid play. Uh, and if Bobby Lou can stay healthy and if he can deliver this team as a shot, um, unfortunately they've dropped two in a row heading, uh, um, and uh, they also took two games left on their current home stand. the next of which is uh, tonight against Ottawa. Uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll have known uh, the results of that game. Um, but uh, they enter uh, Sunday's game dropping two straight, both at home. And... Um, uh, they've, they've got busy schedule in March. Um, 
coming up, but just taking a look at their recent success, uh, like you said, the return of Barkov and Huberto has been huge for them. Um, since their turn on February 3rd, um, at one point last week, the Panthers have won eight of nine games. Uh, since uh, their two stars returned, they're 6 3 and 0. Uh, their penalty kills in the top three during that stretch. Uh, on the season, they have a bottom 10 power play, yet it's in the top 10 since Huberto and Barkov returned. And uh, since those uh, two stars came back into the lineup, they've given up the eighth fewest shots on goal. And uh, on the regular season, shockingly, they're a top five team in shots four, which I didn't know. Um, I didn't know either. Uh, and what's, what's interesting, though, is that they're a bottom 10 team in shots four since Huberto and Barkov returned. So while um, that stat has suffered since Huberto and Barkov came back, they're getting results. And at the end, that's, that's what you need out of these guys. Uh, you need wins. Um, and you mentioned Huberto and Barkov and Reimer, how good they were. Uh, UC Jokinen. Uh, don't look now, but he's got nine points in his last nine games. Yeah. And Riley Smith, eight points over his last nine. So the fact that he's starting to pick up the pace is good for them. Uh, Trocek, eight points in his last nine games. He's been good for them all year. He's got 21 goals yeah, and 42 yeah. points on the year. Um, March, they've, they've got a bit of a tough test. They get New York Rangers twice, uh, Toronto twice. Uh, they also get Minnesota, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Montreal, and Tampa Bay. Um, they get to face them March 11th. And then you look ahead to April, they got Boston, Montreal, St. Louis, Buffalo, and Washington. So if they're able to get through that stretch and make the playoffs, uh, they can cause some problems. So um, I, I definitely I definitely think they're capable of making the playoffs. Um, I think it's going to be close. But it would not surprise me if, if, if they got in. Um, uh, I, I think Florida makes it in. Okay. You're, you're going to sell your soul to yeah. them, I guess. Yeah. Well, sell your wagon I'm, to I'm, them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit to them, unlike my previous predictions. <laughs> where I'm just like, eh, they could make it. They, uh, they may not, yeah. That, that's fair. And yeah. More decisive this week. I think, the, yeah, as, as I just mentioned, I think the Barkov and Huberdo returns have helped them a lot, and I think the, uh, the, uh, what was the other thing I was talking about? Oh, and, and J Reimer has been good, and I think he's, he's going to be a solid goaltender for them, um, and I think he actually will have the starting position by, by the time next year. Which will be cool too, because he's you know he's been in the league for a while and he's always been like the backup or maligned in Toronto. So um, if he gets his own team and starts his own team, uh, I'll be all for that. Uh, the thing with Florida Panthers and and we'll talk about this with Buffalo too is that there aren't too many wild card spots right now. They aren't really in a great position. Um, because you have Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Boston, um, who have and, and somewhat of a Boston, lead. Boston and Florida, though, to yeah. your point, they're only only two, two points, points separates them. Yep. And Buffalo and Tampa are just six points back of the second wild card spot, so they're not out of the run. Yeah. So the easiest way for them to make the playoffs is finish in the top three. And out of Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Boston, that's. It's going right. to be tough to really find a spot in that top three. And the thing here, though, is uh, like if you look at the Metropolitan Division, uh, Columbus is currently 
in fourth place in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, so they had the first wild card. They have, they have 81 points. Yeah. Montreal has 74 points, and they're leading yeah. their division in the Atlantic. So that means that you're automatically... So these teams are fighting for the third place in the Atlantic and the last wildcard spot. Those are the only two places you're doealing with. And you also have the Islanders, who have 68 points um, in there too. So it's it's not going to be easy for teams like Florida, Tampa, Boston to get in. Uh, because of that, um, and you know... That, that is assuming, I'm assuming that Boston's going to keep on winning, but we don't know, that's for sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, so the thing with Florida is it might be a little t- too little too late kind of issues, but um, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to say never say never. It's happened. It's like happened before. They made the playoffs last year. They won. But didn't they? It's not going to be easy for them. It's not going to be easy for sure yet. And uh, yeah, it starts now. They have to keep on winning. Uh, that's the thing. And uh, just have to hope that either Boston, Toronto, or Ottawa falls out somehow. Um, which is certainly possible. Points separates the first wild card from the second wild card, so technically they're fighting for one wild card spot if they can't make the top three. Yeah, and so so I I know I got on you for not being committal, so I'm gonna say I think Florida is out um, of the playoffs. Um, I'm gonna put my thing in there. Uh, Buffalo. Let's talk about Buffalo. Um, I was joking at the beginning of the year, but, uh, yeah, I don't think they will. There are 62 points, uh, trailing Boston for a wildcard spot by six points with equal games in hand. Uh, their goal differential of 20 minus 23. I also wanted to, I just, I just wanted to mention this in cause you laughed at me, um, at the beginning of the year when I had them in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but uh, they are certainly close. Uh, they have. I just don't think their goaltending is good. They have a goal differential of minus twenty three. I also wanted to say mention that Eichel has thirty four points in forty games. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Uh, I know he's not McDavid good, but uh, if he played a full season, he'd be uh, that's like that would put him in like the top ten, right, on that pace. So. Um, uh, that's pretty good. Rista Ristolainen has thirty three assists. Um, yeah, I I can already save you the trouble. I think they're out as well. But uh, just because I was saying it's it's going to be tough for Florida, and Florida has a four point lead on Buffalo, so it's going to be tough for it's going to be even tougher for Buffalo to get in. But I do like the progress that they've made. This yeah. year, it seems like they've made the jump. They're not like a laughing stock anymore. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be out for a different reason. Uh, the good news for Buffalo is they've appeared to solve their problems on home ice. They didn't do very well at home to start yep. the year. Uh, since uh, 2017's rolled around, they played 12 home games. They're 8 3 and 1, which is good. Um, their road record held them back a little bit, um, especially in their post by match against Colorado. They somehow lost that. 
Um, since January 1st, believe it or not, Buffalo's offense is almost in the top 10 when it comes to goals for. How about that, eh? Well, yeah. Um, unfortunately, their goals against has nullified that success. Right. Not surprising. And it, this is probably a reason why. In 12 of Robin Leonard's last 17 starts, he's had to face at least 35 shots on goal. Well. Which is atrocious. And... Uh, they've given up 906 shots again since New Year's Day. The Leafs have given up the second most, which is 842. So they're quite a ways uh, they're quite a ways ahead of Toronto in that category. Uh, power play still in the top 10 from January 1st to today, which is good. Um, penalty kill still in the bottom 10 again. So their defense is holding them back a little bit. Uh, they're not making the playoffs because they don't have the team to do it. They're going to miss the postseason because March is going to kick their butts. They get Columbus three times. They head to California for their Death Valley road trip. They get Pittsburgh twice. And then they get to face five different teams chasing for that final wildcard spot. Those five teams are Toronto, Philly, Tampa, Detroit, and Florida, which we just alluded to. And then we look at April. They host their. Uh, they have three home games in a span of three day in a span of uh, four days. And they will be hosting the Islanders, Leafs, and Habs over those three home games. They're not going to get it done because they have got a brutal stretch of the season. It's insurmountable. They're done. Yeah, I think they're. I don't. I wouldn't say necessarily they're done because of their tough schedule. Because we all have tough. Every team has tough schedules. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly not looking great for them. They've lost their last two games. They lost to Colorado yesterday on Saturday. Um, so <laughs> that's not great. I, I will say though, I did write them off because of Leonard, but he hasn't been too bad, uh, with a nine twenty three save percentage and a 2.57 goals against average. So that's not, just lean on him too yeah. much. that's the problem. True. I mean, that's all those tough teams coming up against them. That's why I say they're done is because but, that, I don't think, I don't see that changing. I'm just saying that that's not, like, terrible either, but um, I just don't think they have the experience uh, for this playoff push. So I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, I just, I would say, and I think they're just so far back right now from the, to the division at this point that I feel like it's going to be, it's insurmountable in a way. Um, So, yeah, so that's in or out. Let's go to the rapid fire. We have a, a lot of trades here. We're probably going to have a lot of trades next time. But uh, so far, let's see here. The, the, uh, the trade market got, uh, got a send-off, I guess. Uh, first, with Arizona trading Michael Stone to Calgary for a 2017 third and a 2018 conditional fifth. Um, I think it was a conditional fifth was like if Calgary, I forget all these conditions, but it, there is. The condition is in this case, if Stone, a pending unrestricted free agent, re-signs with the okay. Flames. That's the conditional fifth rounder in 2018. Okay. You probably will have to fill in all these blanks because I had yeah, a lot of these fine. conditionals um, in the future. He's the brother of Michael Stone. That's, yep. Or, uh, uh, Mark, Stone. Mark Stone's brother. Mark He's the Stone. brother of his own self, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's how, you know, he's also like a, he's kind of like a Chris Russell type. He shop, he's like a very good shot blocker. 
I think he has a yeah. little bit more of an offensive upside from Chris Russell, but um, so that is a good, but that is a good get for Calgary, though I would say. Um, it should also be noted that Arizona has retained half of his salary, so Calgary's on the hook for less than six hundred grand. Yeah. Um, also interesting about Michael Stone, he played for the WHL's Calgary Hitmen, so he's he's not so new to Calgary. He's been there before. Yeah. Um, and in his final two years with the Hitmen, he scored at least 60 points. He's coming off a career-high 36 points in 75 games with Arizona last year. Um, unfortunately, he's got nine points in 45 games this year. But like you said, more known for his shot blocking over the last two years, he's recorded at least 100 block shots yeah. in both of those campaigns. Um, also, I don't know. I guess thinking about this is like, is he worth that much a third and a conditional fifth? I guess. I don't know. Uh, again, this is trade deadline. This is when the silly deals happen. You just go back and you think, should should we really have given up that much for that guy? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's, it's all hindsight twenty twenty with these. True, things. true. Uh, Dallas trades Patrick Eves to Anaheim for a twenty seventeen conditional second. That pick become I do know the condition this time. The pick becomes a first round if Eves plays more than fifty percent of Ducks games in the uh, playoff games in the first two rounds. Um, so yeah, and the Ducks would have to reach the Western Conference Final. Right, they would have to reach the Western Conference right finals. Uh, the uh, I think this is a good get for the Ducks. I don't know if they necessarily need more forward depth, but it, ne- it doesn't hurt either because uh, you know they have guys like Silverberg, Raquel. Um, and, uh, I'm sure I'm missing a couple of other players, but, uh, they don't necessarily need those guys, but yeah, that is, uh, I feel like this is a good deal for them. Uh, we'll see if, uh, this helps them out or not. Uh, but what's what's interesting about Patrick Eves is at the age of 32, uh, this is his second 20 goal season. His first came as a rookie with Ottawa. Yeah. And the only other time he's uh, got 30, he's broken the 30 point barrier was in his second season uh, in the NHL. So he's having a career year at the age yep. of 32. He's also got 11 power play goals and a Ducks power play that's fallen to 14th with the extra man at the time he was acquired. That's probably a, a bonus as to why they got him. Um, for, for Dallas, it's huge because they've got a crop of young defensemen in their system, the most notable being Julius Honka. Uh, they've also got some pending RFAs to sign by season's end. Jamie Alexiak, yep. Matthias Janmark, Radek Faxa, Essa Lindell, Patrick Nemeth. Um, UFAs, they have Sharp, Hoodler, Hemsky, and Korpakoski. I don't see Hemsky coming back. And and Hemsky was only, uh, or sorry, yeah, Eves was only costing them a million dollars. So this was a good depth move simply because um, it didn't really cost um, – the Anaheim Ducks too much as far as salary cap. They're getting a lot of bang for their buck here. Um, but it's it's good for Jim Neal to get a potential uh, first-round pick, which would give him two first-rounders potentially, or at the worst-case scenario, two second-rounders. Yeah. And a team that's getting younger, um, this is a very solid move. And to get a first-rounder for Patrick Eves is a score for Dallas. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that Patrick Eves is – 32 years old because I remember when he was at BC um, <laughs> playing in Boston College. It's like it's, now it's like a, I feel old now. He's 32 years old. 
I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was like 28 or something, but I guess he's 32. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I know, exactly. It's also, I was just looking at his time at BC. He looks really weird without a beard. Um, (laughs) really weird. I'm almost wondering, though, if if, if this is just the beginning of the Stars' sell-off, like if they trade any of their other assets to free up some cap space. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about Patrick Eves that I should mention is that he, yeah, that is a good point about this might be Dallas Stars is just selling off now, so they're sellers now. Yeah. Uh, Sharp and Hoodler are both pending a yeah. UFAs. So. The thing with the other thing with Patrick Eves is that he's, uh, you know, is that he's going to be he he was on the line with Jamie Ben and sometimes Tyler Sagan. Uh, now he's probably going to be on a line with Corey Perry or Ryan Getzlaff. So. Uh, that's not terrible for him in terms of line mates. Uh, he, you know, he goes from one dynamic duo to another, so that could be good for him too. So we'll see how that works out for them. I'd be interested to see how he plays with guys like Corey Perry and uh, Ryan gets left. Um, all right. Uh, the next one. I don't know too much about this guy, but. Detroit trades Tomas Yurko to Chicago for a 2017 third. I believe this, it's not every day that Chicago and Detroit trade with each other, but I guess that's yeah. what happens when uh, Detroit moves to d- division. So, uh, yeah, T- Tomas Yurko to Chicago. I guess this is another like uh, depth deal for Chicago, I'd say. Um, I was just going to pull up his stats quickly, but I think you can go if you want. <laughs> yeah, 159 NHL games. He's got 15 goals and 24 assists. This year, pointless in 16 games with the Red Wings this year. Uh, in the past, uh, with the Sea Dogs, uh, St. John Sea Dogs, QMJHL 2011, he got 30 goals, also in the Memorial Cup. And then uh, when the Grand Rapids Griffins won the Calder Cup in 2013, he got 14 points in 24 playoff games. So, um, he, he's had a reputation of success. It hasn't translated to the NHL just yet. But Richard Ponick is a good example of what the Hawks can do with their offense. This was a guy who was drafted by Tampa, claimed by Toronto off waivers, later traded to Chicago. And this year with Chicago, Richard Ponick has a career-high 16 goals, and he's almost doubled his career-high for points. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same with Thomas Yurko. Yeah, it seems like Chicago always does this, is that they always pull up, like, guys that didn't do so well on other teams, and then all of a sudden they're really good. Like, Panic is a good example. They also have uh, Anisimov is another example. So it, it's I wouldn't be surprised if this guy is the next Anisimov or the next Panic in that sense. But uh, I was just looking at his stats... He has, he's played 16 games so far in Detroit. Uh, he hasn't scored any points. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting. Um, and he had six points last year in 44 games. Uh, so he's not exactly... Uh, he hasn't gotten his offense going yet, but we'll, we shall see if, if he can get that going in Chicago. I guess that will be the thing. It's... It's kind of it's interesting though for that guy though if he's worth a third I feel like that's I don't know if that's if he's worth a third I would have expected him to be like a fifth or something but 
Yeah, it was a good it'll move really by Detroit. It'll it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does at the deadline. If, yeah. uh, if they trade off any of their assets, because I mean, we yeah, it's it's been rare that they've they've had an off season or uh, a trade deadline where uh, they subtracted more than they added. It's been yeah. a while since we've seen that. I think my my point is more that it's just that Yurko hasn't really shown that much. So if he's yeah. worth a third, it's kind of crazy, but. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe Chicago can make something out of him. We'll see. Uh, lastly, uh, we have, I guess this was another big trade. I don't know. This might have been, this could have been before the Yurko trade. But uh, Carolina trades Ron Hainsey to Pittsburgh for Danny Christo, who's a winger, um, and a 2017 second. Carolina retains 50% of Hainsey's salary. Now this is important um, not only because it's Ron Hainsey and we'll talk about that in a second uh, but Peng- the Penguins have a bit of a defensive injury woes here. Um, Trevor Daly has a lo- just had surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of the season or out six weeks. Uh, he has a lower body injury. Um, mon- knee surgery is what I heard. Oh knee surgery. Okay. I thought it was okay because I thought that it was a lower body, but it could be knee surgeries. More specific because again, like you've said many times, they're not too specific on injuries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, my favorite thing, um, but he did get surgery, so yeah, I guess you're right. If he did get surgery, I think they would know what body part it was. So I guess it was and, the knee. Let's yeah. go with the knee. And then, uh, Mata, yeah, as Oli Mata that we mentioned last week. He yeah. has a hand. He's also out for the regular season. And then it looks like well, Latang has an upper body injury. It's unclear when he'll be back, but right now he's day to day. So that means they really only have. Um, and Justin Schultz has been out for a bit too. I don't know how serious that is as well. Hearing concussion-like symptoms. And so that means that five of those six guys are out. Oh, it looks like... I just looked at the um, at their roster here. It looks like Justin Schultz is back. So that okay. means that Ian Cole, Brian Dumoulin, and Schultz are the only guys that are healthy of um, that the Penguins have. So they need, a, they need... They were desperate for Ron Hainsey... Um, and that's why they were able to. That's why they were willing to give up that much for uh, him um, in yeah. that sense. But yeah, uh, he, uh, he, he's he's a good addict. He's yeah. a guy you can use on the penalty kill. He's thirty five years old. Never appeared in a postseason game. And that's it pretty looks cool. Looks like that'll change, which is yeah. which is good for him. Um, I think it's mostly. Carolina, it, it, it was mostly about the second-round pick than Danny Cristo because yeah. you look at Cristo's stats, he's recorded yeah, over right. 20 goals and 40 points over the last three AHL seasons. Yeah. But this year he spent time with three different AHL organizations, uh, and the North Dakota alumni has only chalked up 15 points in 41 AHL games. So, and, and Jim Rutherford was very clear. This is all he wanted to give up was Cristo in a second-rounder, and he got it done. And if you look at... Um, if you look at the amount of second rounders Carolina has this year, if you include this trade, they have three. So um, it's it's all about the future for the Hurricanes, it seems. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do, by the way, did you know that uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia played in a outdoor game? 
yesterday? Yeah, I, I heard that it was that it had spring like conditions yeah, to it. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, I only caught a glimpse of it, but yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like there was no hype for it. It was weird. Um, well, the, the good news is Crosby didn't get hurt in this. Yeah, sure. Game, he got two goals too. He got yeah. two goals in that game, even so. That's true. That he has a history of being injured in an outdoor game, but uh, yeah. So back to this point. Yeah, the uh, I think this is a depth move. I, assuming that Daly and Matal will be back during the playoffs, so um, this will be interesting. For this is just more for Ronnie and Z to you know just to get a guy out in the defensive thing. I don't expect him to be a big factor into the playoffs, but um, especially with Daly, Mata, and Latang probably back. So we'll have to see. Uh, another so a statistic that happened this week, our big achievement here, Philip Forsberg had two hat-tricks in two consecutive games. This was pretty cool. Thank you. He's on my fantasy team, uh, just for the record. Uh, he, although... I sh- we should note that he had th- those two games. He played Calgary and Colorado, two teams that aren't, you know, great, don't have great do- goaltending. So um, it's, it Six is impressive, though. Six goals over eight though, shots, so. though, man. Yeah. Six goals over eight shots. It's nothing to sneeze at. And also True. those three goals against Calgary came in one period. Yeah, it's also, yeah, he had a natural hat trick in that game. Um, and, uh I mean, yeah, it's true. It's not to sneeze at. And I remember we talked at the beginning of the year about how, I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but I do, because he was on my fantasy team, I'm more aware of it. But, you know, he starts off slow. He started off yeah. slow this year, and now he's finally picked it up. Um, so I'm happy for that with my play- for my playoff push. But, uh, yeah, and he, uh, he didn't get a hat-trick yesterday against Washington, the team that drafted him. On Saturday, but he did get a goal and two assists, so that's also nothing to sneeze about. But Philip Forsberg's back; he's probably going to get the Player of the Week uh, nomination this week. Um, yeah. I think they, they usually announce that on Mondays, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably so, get the NHL's first. so by the he's time you're hearing one. this, he's already gotten it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably get the Jinx here. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, we're jinxing this wholeheartedly now it'll be a, it'll be an outrage if he doesn't get the player of the week this week um by weeks uh the league is looking into having two weeks where teams have buys teams will be split between those t- those two weeks um i they didn't say specifically that the eastern conference will like take a buy the same week and then the western conference will take a buy but well, that is what they should do. Um, that'd be cool, especially with all the games in hand that happened earlier this year, when like you know some teams didn't take buys, and like Toronto had five games in hand from Boston. Yeah. Um, so kind I, I of. I do think they need to be yep. restructured in some way. I think uh, conferences going off, like the West taking a buy and then the East taking a buy. I think that's a good solution. Yep. But all divisional matchups for for that time period. That, that's got to happen. It's got to be divisional matchups. Yeah, that could be... make it appealing for the hockey fans. Yeah, that would be cool, um, especially with how the playoffs are set up where it, it, they they thrive on that 
divisional, yeah. or it's all based on the division. So, yeah, I could see that if happening too. It, if you put it in like you know February or something like that, where all the games mean something, yeah, that's when the division rivalries really get heated too. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think it's I li- I like this idea, but I I I have a feeling that the Angels gonna mess this up and they're gonna take like random teams have a bye each week and they're not going to split it up by conference or by division or something like that. But um, we'll see um, if this even is in place or not. But I know that, like it's, it is cool that like it is a problem and the NHL is trying to tweak it to make it work. So uh, we'll see. Um, although I don't know if they're, are they necessarily going to do it next year? These I'm bye not weeks? quite sure. Well, because it's not uh, like the World Cup's happening the, next year. The, the, I guess there's the Olympics. Olympics. Right. Olympics are next year, so that'll be interesting. That'll be the... Be that'll be their own bye week, yeah. yeah. That's probably what they're going to do. Um, that is if they do go to the Olympics. Uh, Tru- yeah. Truba... I think they will, actually. But we'll see. Uh, Truba got two games for his hit on Mark Stone... Um, you, I'll let you rant on this because I was, I was waiting all week for this once I heard the news. Yeah. All right. Well, your, your, your favorite part of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Sit back and enjoy. Stone is trying to pass the puck to Carlson, who is to his right. The pass is made. He's looking at his teammate. Truba's coming in to make the hit on Stone. Player 61, as Paul McClain would say, player 61 is trying to make a play here. Do you think he has one second to pay attention to what the Jets defenseman is about to do to him? No. He's got very little time to avoid the hit. Truba makes contact with Stone's head. Clear shot to the head. It's with his arm slash elbow. This is not a hockey hit. It's a clear hit to the head. How is that only a two-minute minor? It should be five in a game, and the NHL should be giving a lot more than two games. I I, I would have been satisfied with five games. I'm more upset the fact that it was only a two-minute minor. That is five in a game, no questions asked. Yeah, he's a first-time offender. Um, the, the fact that Stone left the game and didn't return um, just just really annoyed me, the, yeah. the fact that it, it wasn't five in a game. Um, because Ottawa lost um, arguably their best player at that time. So, yeah. And this, again, it's not a hockey hit. It's not a 50-50 hit. It's, it's a straight-up headshot. doesn't belong in the game. Uh, Two-game suspension does not signal the fact we need to get rid of these plays. But again, it's it's just the fact that it wasn't five in a game that just really irritated me. Uh, yeah. Because a two-game suspension doesn't benefit Ottawa at all. A five-minute major penalty that leads to a five-minute power play, at least a sense of a chance to, to make the Jets pay right on the spot. And uh, it, it's interesting because... Because uh, Malkin was, uh, didn't really get much for his hit on Blake Wheeler a couple of days prior to that. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with that at the end of the day when it came to discipline of Jacob Truba. But, uh, yeah, just a really iffy yeah. call. Like, yeah, I, I find it interesting because usually they, don't, they, they lower the suspension because it's uh, because the player turned out to be okay and... All, and, you know, a first-time offender, which is true for this one, but, like, you know, Mark Stone got injured, so it, it is interesting why he got two games. It, it should have been at least five games, I would say. I think you'd be okay if it was five games, right? 
So yeah, it was. Yeah, it, I, I'd be satisfied with five games. I would. Uh, uh, that. Uh, before we go on, I should I should note, and this and this news came in a couple um a couple hours before we recorded. Uh, Antoine Vermets uh, appealed for oh, a yeah. game suspension and denied, but yeah. he's already missed five games, so he'll miss five more, and then he's eligible for tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did see that before, but uh, I, I didn't include that in here. But, yeah, uh, that is yeah, cool. Just, just wanted to point that out there. It, it looks like uh, the NHL's uh, discipline staff uh, slash Gary Bettman uh, look, looks like sometimes they will stand pat on their decisions. Yeah, I think we thought that the, that's what they were going to do, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, so, well... See, now you ruined because there was a good segue from the Sens injuries because now we're going to talk well, about more Sens injuries. The, I can talk about the Sens injuries and Bruins Sens because I have a lot to talk about. Well, well, I mean, we're doing it now. We have it here. We have, okay. uh, we don't have tons of injury news yeah. here. So uh, Bobby Ryan has a finger injury. He's out four to six weeks. Uh, Mark Stone, who we just talked about, has a neck injury. And Mike Hoffman has a groin injury. But you did mention that they could be back on Sunday. Yeah, um, off air, I did mention yeah. there's a possibility they could return for Sunday's game. So, Even if they don't, the fact that there's at least reports that they're close to returning, that's a good sign for yeah, the sense. Yeah, true. Um, Ryan is less optimistic, though. I think this is a good opportunity for Curtis Lazar, though. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who battled mono at the start of the season, battling for a spot on the team. Best chance he's had all year to make an impact. Interested to see how he responds. He's only got one assist in 32 games this year, um, but he got a career high 20 points just a season ago. Um, I I don't think uh, it's it's right for Ottawa to give up on Curtis Lazar just yet. I still think he has time to prove himself, and I think the Bobby Ryan injury has given him an opportunity. Uh, Nikita Zadorov is uh, done for the year. He has an ankle injury. Um, this isn't. Huge new. I mean, this is huge news, but it's not like I guess uh, it's gonna matter because Colorado is out of it for sure. So, um, but yeah, he's out this for the is, year. Th- th- Ankle. Yeah, this is one of those injuries where it basically sums up their entire year. This is an yep. off day practice. He collides with teammate Nico Rantanen, and uh, he suffered a fractured ankle. Yeah. So that, that pretty much just sums up how Colorado's year has gone. He got 10 assists in 56 games, um, only appeared in 22 games a year ago, but the soon-to-be 22-year-old recorded 153 hits. So he's making his presence known on the blue line, at least for Colorado. So he's, he's yeah. turning out to be a pretty good addition for them. Um, I think, okay, so now we go to the Bruins-Send segment. This is going to be the last episode before the trade deadline. So I do have a question of if our teams are buyers or sellers. Um, so before you start your whole spiel, let's go with that. Um, so I think the Bruins should be sellers, but I have a feeling we're going to be buyers uh, just because um, I, I think there was a report that Sweeney, when Sweeney fired uh Claude Julian, he was asked if they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. And he said that first he wants, he wanted to see how they do in their three games uh, before the bye week. And then how he does the three games afterwards. Um, And they've done pretty well. They're four, 
two. They're four and two. Is that right? Yeah, they're four and two. Um, so uh, that's not terrible. But uh, so I think that that shows signs that they're gonna be buyers. Um, I just hope it's not gonna be. I just hope they don't trade away Carlo or McAvoy because I don't think we're going far. Um, if we are this year, um, if we are doing that, I think in a couple years we'll be contenders. But um, this year, I don't think. I think it's stupid to. Um, although I would. After the past couple of years, I wouldn't mind to be in the playoffs. I just don't think we're once we're in the playoffs, we're gonna go far. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But um, I wouldn't be shocked either way if we make a huge deal or not. Um, the Bruins beat the Sharks two to one in overtime. Um, that was their first game back from their bye week. They. Uh, or what was that their first game? No, that wasn't their first game. No, that was their first game back. Um, yeah, uh, they beat them in OT. Um, this was a huge win for them because it was their first game back, and it's the San Jose Sharks. They're not like a you know a terrible team, so uh, that was a huge statement win. Uh, you know, they came back from the bye. They didn't let that bother them that they were back from a bye. Um, so all that stuff was great for them. And, and it should also be noted, they, in two games against Brent Burns, he only got one point yep. against the Bruins in those two games. So yeah, huge I think that, that, that had a huge part into why they were able to beat the Sharks both times. Uh, then they, uh, then they played on Wednesday where they faced off against Anaheim. By the way, it looks like Gibson is on the injured reserve. Um, he didn't play l- last time, but explains l- why we're seeing more of Bernie. Later. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the this Bruins game was quite interesting because of how the refs played. They uh, there was this. Uh, I think it was in the second period. It might have been in the first, but uh, Pasternak had this goal. Um, it was like shot, and they called it off because of goalie interference. Um, where Marshawn kind of, I mean, Steve saw the replay once I mentioned this, um, and he, he, he agrees. He was in the crease. He, he didn't really make contact with he Bernie. He didn't what really. Bernie got yeah. his stick tied up with Brad. It was one of those things where, like, it was like Bernie had, to, I guess, it technically was interference because Marshawn was in the way, but, like, I feel like Bernie could have done more it wasn't necessarily Marshawn's fault, I'd say. It was like a light touch. It, like he, I don't even know if he even touched him. He was just in the way, um, which I think is allowed. So if as long as you don't touch him, so it was a, it was annoying. Um, but uh, it's refs, I guess. It was one of those games. Yeah. If you just allow me to kind of explain, like yeah. it, maybe if he nudges him, that's fine. What I saw was that. Bernie's stick got tied up with Marshawn's uh, skate there, and he tried to get out of the way, and, and, and Marshawn wasn't budging, and I guess uh, complains that it impeded his progress to get the pass yep. back shot in time because the stick was tangled up. Even if even if Marshawn nudged Bernie just a little bit, it wasn't during that point where the stick was caught up. It probably happens before. 
at that point, he's not, he's not, his progress uh, isn't, uh, to get to the puck, isn't impeded by that. His progress is impeded because he gets his stick tied up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's bad luck, but it happens. I mean, it, if, I guess, worst comes to worst, just drop your stick and maybe try and go for the puck. And I know it sounds immature and probably tough to do, but that's, that's all you got. That's, there's very little the player can do in that situation. So I, I think the Bruins got robbed of a goal there. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, that was the point I was getting to. But yeah, they, uh, it wasn't great, and it kind of set the mood for the entire game. Um, I think there was another goal that was let out because of an offsides, but that was more uh, that was more reasonable because that was actually true. Yeah, but I I forget the details of that one, but there was another one like that. So, but uh, yeah, that was unfortunate um, to lose that game because I feel like we could have won that game, but that kind of just changed the whole meaning. setting to the game and uh uh they just didn't play as well as they should have um what do you, you think of the 5-3 empty net goal what do you mean did you did you see the 5-3 empty net goal like cogliano is going is trying to go for the empty net he gets hauled down it looks like maybe he embellishes it a little bit and, i mean and even if he doesn't bergeron's catching up to him i think he has a legit shot of surpassing him Anyways, Cogliano gets hauled down, and because it's an empty net and he gets hauled down, it's called an automatic goal, and Anaheim goes up 5-3. Yeah, oh yeah, that that one. I, I, I thought I didn't know what you were referring to, but yeah, I do remember that. I, I was fine. I mean, I was fine with that. It's like, I didn't even realize that was a rule, that like, if you get called for slashing, it's a empty net thing. But at that point in time, I think it was like, the within the last minutes, I think it was, it was one of those things where I was just like... Whatever, I guess we lost this game. Um, I I don't think we would have scored in those last minutes anyways. We weren't playing great. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I was fine with it. I just didn't realize that was a rule. That, like, if it's an automatic goal if you slash the guy. Um, well, I, I know if it's a clear-cut break for sure, but net. the fact that Bergeron is going to catch up to it, like, how can you tell for sure if Cogliano was going to get to it? True, before? I guess that's true, yeah. I'm, Even but, if he wasn't all down. But I think, you know, all in all, it's, it doesn't really matter because it's yeah. like, you know, they're, you know they're, it's not like the Bruins are going to... If it was like if it was like the Bruins were going to score and it, they were impeding on that, then I'd, then, yeah, yeah. then I'd be, then I'd be okay, like, then I'd be upset about it, but... For that, I was just like, all right, whatever, <laughs> um, of course. Um, and then the next night, the the Bruins beat the Kings 2-1. to one. Oh, no, 4-1. It was actually 4-1, four, four but they added yeah. two empty nerves, so technically it was 2-1. to one. Yeah, it did feel like 2-1 to because it was 2-1 to one for most of the game. But, uh, yeah, it was four, yeah, that's right, it was 4-1. to one. Um, And they had two empty nerves, which you don't see often either. So uh, that was cool. Um, yeah, the Bruins are doing well. I'm slightly more optimistic, which I, uh, about this team than I was in seasons past, but, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of like, I, I feel like it might be too little too late kind of thing too. I don't know if we'll make the playoffs, but, um, I do like what we're seeing. Um, and even if we don't, it's, it's still, it's cool that, the Bruins are able to play this well under Bruce Cassidy. Um, it's like it's kind of like they're proving the everybody 
who wanted to keep Claude Julien wrong. Um, yeah. So I I hope he keeps his job, um, but we'll see. Uh, the Bruins play the Stars. Actually, this is this is twelve thirty right now on Sunday. They're they're playing like right now. Um, at Dallas. So I know what Brett's going to do after yeah, we Exactly. We had to record early just because the game was on at this time. So yeah. they played Dallas at 12.30. They have, then they go to uh, Arizona at home on Tuesday. Thursday they play the Rangers, and Saturday they play the Devils. And guess what's on that Monday? Um, we play, it's the Ottawa Senators and the yeah. Bruins, so uh, we yeah. both have that on our schedule. But yeah, um, so I, the, really the Rangers are the toughest opponent, but um, yeah, we shall see. Uh, I look forward to uh, this game today. It's uh, Sagan's return, although I guess it's in Dallas, but <laughs> we'll see that, yeah. Um, I... Just quickly on, on the Boston thing about the deadline, I think if they can get someone better than Hudobin to back up Rask, I think that's probably the only issue I address. Yeah, we talked about uh, that before, yeah. If it, if it tra- if it, even if it means trading like a guy like Jimmy Hayes and Riley Nash, yeah. or it may be doing too much for you, if that's what it takes to get it done, fine. Uh, Miller seems I've, like the obvious choice, but it all depends on the cost. Like, is Ryan Miller going to be willing to accept a backup role behind Tuka Rask? I'm oh, not quite sure if he is. Ryan Miller, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, he was quite the villain for when he was back in his Buffalo days uh, yeah. for us. So um, that would be interesting if we did get Ryan Miller, especially because remember that Lucic hit on Ryan oh, Miller yeah, that yeah, started yeah, all that. That would um, yeah. <laughs> be interesting. Now that Lucic is no longer there, that would be that would be interesting. I didn't think about Ryan Miller there, but yeah, uh, but yeah. No, but what do you think of the Ottawa Senators? Are they going to be buyers or sellers? Uh, I don't expect them to make any big trades and mortgage their future, like for any long-term solutions. Yeah. Um, but now I think a short-term help up front, especially now that we know how long Bobby Ryan's going to be out, I think they're probably going to focus a bit on that. Uh, they recall Casey Bailey and Max McCormick. They both have since been demoted to bingo again. Uh, they've since called up Phil Veroni and Michael Blunden. Um, I don't really know if either one of those two are going to be able to, to get it done while Ryan is out. Um, and in a recent article from the citizen, um, it looks at, it looks at, um, uh, players they could target like Patrick Sharp and Yuri Hoodler. We talked about them before. Yeah. Um, maybe cost a draft pick or two to land sharp. Um, he's a pending UFA. who's had to deal with concussion like symptoms this year, but he does provide playoff experience and I think he can provide some big minutes. Honestly, Hoodler hasn't been good at all for Dallas this year. He it started, didn't start off well. He battled an illness to no fault of his, but since he's returned, um, he just hasn't been the Yuri Hoodler he's been over the past couple of years. So I, I think Ottawa's wise to stay away from him. Vanek's name was mentioned in that article. I'm not crazy about him. I mean, he's a streaky goal scorer like Marion Gabrick, but if he can't score, um, yeah, that can become a problem for the team. Um, but he is a Bruins killer. Points. He yeah, like he plays really he's well against. Points. Points. Yeah. yeah. So if, if we need if we face Boston in the playoffs, we're gonna need. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's also got 38 points in 47 games. So Detroit, I don't think, is eager to give him away for nothing. So it might uh, cost a couple of picks, um, at least a high end pick to get him. 
Um, Martin Hansel, I think that would be a better depth move. Um, again, it would cost a bit to get him. Um, but I, I frankly, I'd be satisfied if they stick with the roster that they have. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if, if they just decided to stay in pat. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to getting a short-term piece either. Again, the worst thing they can do and what they shouldn't do is mortgage their future for a Duchene or a Landis Cog uh, before Wednesday. Uh, they've got a lot of good prospects, and ultimately Ottawa loses a big chunk of their future if we get either Duchene or Landis Cog. So I think sometimes the best move you make is the one you don't. So right. um, that's what I will say about what Ottawa should do at the deadline. Okay. Um, taking a look at... Um, the Sens over the last couple of uh, over the last seven days, they played the Jets very well on Sunday. They outshot them thirty-four to twenty. Um, Stone, Hoffman, and Wingles all got hurt in that game. Wingles fortunately returned, um, uh, didn't return to the game, but he came back on Tuesday. Uh, as we alluded to before, Stone and Hoffman could play Sunday against Florida, even if they don't. It's optimistic that there's a chance that they could be back soon. Um, uh, in that Jets game, they were close to tying in, in the final seconds. Pasho thought that um, they were able to. Um, the the question is, did the puck cross the line definitively before uh, the final horn had sounded? And Pasho was trying, I believe it was Pasho trying to jam the puck in. And the refs didn't have a good look of it. The original call on the ice was no goal. They go upstairs, and Hellebuck's stick is in front of the puck and his pad is there too somewhere in there is the puck and you can see the puck coming out of the net but you can't see it fully definitively cross the goal line so as a result the call on the ice stands no goal games over no overtime Ottawa loses in regulation so uh it's unfortunate they didn't tie the game but again there's not definitive evidence to state that it crossed the line um so um not that bummed as to how the game ended. I thought they deserved a better fate, but sometimes that's the way she goes. Uh, New Jersey, the game was boring again, but Ottawa won again, and it was close. I wasn't <laughs> complaining. Huge two points. Anderson sold again, and he continued his solid play in the Carolina game on Friday. Uh, unfortunately, Ottawa lost 3 nothing because the Hurricanes venue is cursed and possibly rigged because no matter what they do, no matter the day, time, or year, Ottawa cannot get a win in that building. Uh, from January 4, 2000 to December 12, 2007, a stretch of 14 games, Sens were victorious 10 of those 14 times. In their last 16 trips to Carolina, they've won twice. And they've scored one or less in 10 of their last 16 games in Raleigh, North Carolina. How that happens and how they give up 44 shots against the Hurricanes team, I have no idea. So all I can say is thank God they don't play Carolina again this year. Um, coming up this week, they're in Florida Sunday. They're in Tampa Monday. That's a huge back-to-back. Uh, so we'll talk about those results next week. Uh, then the trade deadline comes. They host Colorado on Thursday. Could be a trap game. Hopefully they get a win there. And then they host Columbus on Saturday. And then, as you alluded to, uh, not this coming Monday, though, the one after March uh, 6th, I believe it is, they host the Boston Bruins. So um, huge weeks uh, for both clubs as yep. well. Um, the Habs beating Toronto on Saturday means the Sens are now four points back at first in the Atlantic Division. Um, in off-ice news, Freddie Clayson got a one-year contract extension 
which is a good depth move for us. Five points, uh, all of them assists in 19 games this year. Still looking for his first NHL goal, though. And um, just before we sign off here, um, some local news just quickly. The QMJHL's Gatineau Olympiques need a new rink very badly. They've been playing in a building that's been, that was first built in 1957. It's been refurbished several times. And that facility, once the lease is up in a couple of years, that lease won't be renewed. So they'll essentially have no home. And worst case scenario, maybe the team folds and, and moves elsewhere. Um, so they need a new building. Um, but... It looks like this week they got some good news because City Council reportedly made agreement with Vision Multisports Udaway to build a new arena for the team and three small rinks for community use. Um, that project's going to be split between three different parties. The total cost is $79 million, um, but a bill might need to be passed by the Quebec government before construction of any sort can begin. So a lot to go through, but... Uh, this announcement is assuring one for a number of reasons. I mean, if you look at their history of players, Claude Giroux played for them, Pajot played for them, Marty Baron, Jose Theodore played for them, Luke Robitaille played for them, uh, Max Talbot played for them. I think I mentioned David Krejci. He played for them as well. And uh, Claude Julien coached them to a 1997 Memorial Cup title. So they have a rich history, and uh, it's great to see that the future – is hopefully still bright for the Gatineau Olympique and a big step forward for them this week. So just wanted to point that out there. Um, so I just uh, looked at uh, what's happening in the Bruins-Stars game, and off the draw, the Backus, Backus, David Backus and Jamie Benn got in a fight. So <laughs> uh, we, I, I wonder, missed that. I wonder, if they were, I wonder if they were picking up in the Dallas-St. Louis series from last year. It might be, yeah. But uh, they got they got in a fight. I didn't see it, but uh, they got in a fight. So there's that. Uh, social media, Laysome Podcast at Twitter. Our, that's what our handle is on Twitter. Our Facebook is Laysome Up. And uh, you can email us any questions or comments at, uh, I kind of want like a mailbag uh, kind of thing laceupbag at gmail.com uh we also uh you're probably listening to this on soundcloud so don't forget to subscribe um and do that or you can uh, we're also on itunes uh so you can subscribe that way too it automatically downloads into your thing uh so you don't have to look every week uh to when there's a new episode um i think that's it i'm brett duboff I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in a trade deadline edition, episode yeah. 67 of the Lace Em Up podcast.